It's an honor to be here and to spend time with you and spend time in the Lord for sure. Uh, we're gonna, if you would turn to John chapter 14, that's where we're going to be spending this morning, John 14. And, um, and for the next couple weeks, it's going to be John 14, 15, and 16. And in the John 14, Jesus begins to um, kind of open up uh, the understanding of the disciples of, of who he is and his relationship to his heavenly father and his relationship to them as well as their relationship to the heavenly father. So we begin to see uh, more of who Jesus is and ex explain to us in a greater detail actually in um, the letters uh, that Paul wrote about Jesus. And uh, Peter uh, read from one that Jesus was the, the uh, perfect, uh, these are my words, perfect example, the perfect model, the perfect representation of the Heavenly Father. So um, he begins to share that relationship in John 14. Um, and it's important for us to, to know that and to know who he is uh, and know who the Heavenly Father is and Holy Spirit, but also to know our standing as well in him. Who we are in Christ is of the, the most importance to our lives. And even uh, this morning as we were singing, I, I was thinking about that verse, giving Jesus preeminence. You know, that he is to, to have the preeminence, the rule, the reign. He is to be um, our first thought, our first consideration uh, when we wake up in the morning is Jesus, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. And what has he ordained? What has he purposed? What has he planned for this day? And even and when we lay our heads on our pillows at night, uh, his name should be upon our lips, Jesus. Uh, and thanking the Lord for all that he has done throughout that day. So he's to have preeminence in our life. Again, the first thought, the first idea, the first um, emotion that we may have uh, in the morning and throughout the day is Jesus Christ and him crucified. So let's uh, dive in to uh, um, John chapter 14. We see that uh, Jesus again begins to explain to his disciples who he is and to encourage them with who he is. So he begins by saying, let your heart not be troubled. You believe in me, you believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. And Thomas says, Lord, we do not know where you are going. So these guys are, are pretty lost in like their understanding of what's going on, what's taking place. We don't know where you're going. Uh, how can we know the way? Jesus says to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So Jesus going away to the Heavenly Father. So he begins to, to set the course here for our lives that we um, live here and now, but we're living for another day. We're living for a day when we will live with him and see him face to face, as the scriptures say. And we will see him face to face and we will dwell with him for all eternity. 
So he's going uh, to away to the Heavenly Father. We know that he, you know, was died and crucified and resurrected. And he's going to prepare a place for us. And, and this place that he's going to prepare for us is a place where we will be with him forever. Right. We will be with him forever. And the whole idea is here. He goes on that you will be where I am. So he changes tense here. He goes, I will come again, and I will, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you will be also, and where I go, you know, and the way you know. Well, where, where I am, that present tense, where he was right then and there speaking to them, where I am. So it could be more so, and we'll see this later on, related to his relationship. Not like a physical place where I am, you can be here too, but it was relationship, my relationship to the Heavenly Father. I'm going and preparing a place. I'm going and I'm preparing the way that you may have the same relationship that I have with the Heavenly Father, right? So he died on the cross so that we could be forgiven of sin, so that we could um, be forgiven and we re be redeemed and have forgiveness but also that he went to the cross so that we could have relationship, relationship with him, relationship with the Heavenly Father. So Thomas, you know, doubting Thomas here, well, Lord, we don't know the way. <laughs> we don't know where you're going. We don't know the way. And Jesus gives it to him. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So he is the way. And when he says that, he says that he, it means that he is the only way. That there is no other way, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. So there is no other way, there is no other uh, God that is true. In the book of Revelation, we see that his name is faithful and true. We, and there is no, um, no other way to the Heavenly Father except through him and by him. So he has prepared a place for us. And, it, and again, looking back on it, it has always been God's desire, God's design to have fellowship with people from the very beginning. You know, he created man for fellowship. He created us for fellowship, that we might know him and that he would know us. And we see that even in the book of Genesis, we see that Adam and Eve hiding themselves from the Lord as he walked through the garden in the middle of the day. So they knew his presence. They heard him coming. Oh, oh, it's the Lord. We have sinned. We're in trouble. Let's go hide. They knew him so well that when they heard him walking in the garden, they knew it was the Lord. So we see that at the beginning, Lord, the Lord interacting with men in Eden in the cool of the day. And we see it at the end, the book of Revelation. And in between, God interacting, God communicating, God fellowshipping, God instructing, rebuking even, uh, folks, uh, throughout the scriptures, it's God interacting with men, and that has been his desire. In fact, in Revelation 21, the end of the end of the book, 21 verse 3, there is a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle, the dwelling place, the tent, the dwelling place of God is with men. And this voice is coming from the throne of heaven. Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. He will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. 
So here, finally, we reach the end. It's not really the end. It's the end of time as we know it, but it's the beginning of eternity for us where God is going to dwell with us. And to me, it's coming from the throne of heaven. It's like God is so excited himself that this is finally taking place. He's waited. And why has he waited? He's waited for people to repent and to come into fellowship with him and his kingdom and his saints. And finally, the day comes when it's all done, this time frame is all done, and he says from heaven, finally, finally, I'm going to dwell with man, no more separation, they're going to dwell with me, Jesus has prepared the place, we're going to live together in eternity, finally. So he is excited to meet with us, probably sometimes more so than we are excited to meet with him, to be honest, if we, if we think about it that way. So, God has always intended to fellowship with people. He's always intended to fellowship with us, and he has prepared a way, Jesus Christ going to the cross, by which the guilty are not banished from his presence. He has made a way by which we can be forgiven of our sin, by which we can have eternal life, that we can have eternal communion, fellowship with him. You know, sometimes we just... um, uh, we just think of the cross as um, our get-out-of-jail-free card or get-out-of-hell-free card and, and not really um, think of all of the uh, aspects uh, that the cross and the blood of Jesus Christ has done for us. It has given us access to the Heavenly Father through Jesus Christ who has opened up the way unto us. How? By the shedding of his blood upon the cross. Uh, Not only do we have forgiveness of sin because of the blood of Jesus, we have been adopted into the family of God. We've been adopted by our heavenly father. We belong to him. We've been changed. We are now a new creation in Christ. We're no longer the same old person, but we are a new creation in Christ. Why? Because if you're born again, you have the spirit of Christ dwelling within you. You are a new creation in Christ. And before accepting Jesus, the book of Ephesians makes it very clear that we were dead in our trespasses and sin, that we were foreigners, that we were aliens, that we were cut off from the promises and the blessings of God, that we were without hope living in this world without Jesus Christ. And it goes on to even make it our our uh, lives were terrible and destitute, that we were children of wrath, children of disobedience, children of the devil according to the scriptures but now i love that but now we are redeemed by the blood of jesus he has bought us back he has paid the price he has redeemed us by his blood and we belong to him once we were far off uh, away from him but we have been brought near by the blood of jesus christ brought near by the blood of jesus so at one time in our lives we were like um I guess I can say that I don't see any redheaded people here. The redheaded stepchild, has everyone ever heard that saying before? You know, it's kind of like the stepchild that no one likes and <laughs> they don't want anything to do with or claim as theirs. Um, once we were like that, but now we've been brought into the kingdom of heaven. And God, the, uh, in Psalm 68, 6, it says that God sets the solitary in families. God sets the solitary in families. God redeems people and takes people 
and even that redheaded stepchild <laughs> and will bring them into his family. So the one that's rejected, the one that is hurt, the one that is despised, the one is, that is belittled and marginalized and maybe shamed has a place at the table in the kingdom of heaven. So we have been brought into, we're saved, we're redeemed for a purpose. We've been brought into a sacred fellowship with God. We've been brought into a sacred relationship with the living God. So it's not just we've brought in, been brought into a relationship with the book or we've been brought into a relationship with uh, our denomination or our church or our church family. We've been brought into a sacred relationship with the living God. And that's what Jesus is getting to, that we can call God our Abba Father. We've been brought in. And because we have access through Jesus Christ our Lord, we are now benefactors of that relationship. Jesus Christ and the Heavenly Father, there are blessings that come into being a part of the family. Doesn't that make sense? So um, b- those are blessings that have been given to us because Jesus Christ has purchased them with his blood. What are some of these blessings? Well, they're spiritual blessings, the book of Ephesians tells us. There are spiritual gifts, spiritual callings, spiritual ministries. There are the resources of the kingdom of heaven at our disposal. We have access to them because of Jesus Christ. There is power and authority in Jesus Christ. And because we are in Christ and Christ is in us, we have access to the kingdom of heaven. We have access to our heavenly father. So we are no longer unwanted, unwanted and hopeless people. Now we have been given a hope and a future in Jesus Christ. We are now sons and daughters of the Lord God most high. Sons and daughters of the kingdom of God. And we've been given a seat of honor, really, in the household of of heaven a seat of honor a seat at the table a seat at the table of the kingdom and jesus idea here when he starts talking about the father and he starts um revealing to them the father and his relationship to the father uh we have to realize um uh jesus this was a revolutionary idea uh one that got him crucified in many respects saying that the Heavenly Father was his father, right? He called the Heavenly Father his father. This was a revolutionary concept. To the Jews, it was he, the Lord God Most High. They would maybe refer to him as the Father, but to personalize it and say, my father, my father, not just my father, but our father. That is a revolutionary concept that Jesus introduced in the Lord's Prayer, that there is a Father uh, um, that isn't just out there somewhere. Yeah, I have a Father somewhere. I haven't seen him in 20 years, but I know he exists because I exist, <laughs> so I have to have a Father somewhere. And uh, but this, Jesus says, it's not just a father out there somewhere, the creator of the heavens and the universe, the Lord God most high, so most high and so most holy that you cannot even come near him. 
but he is our father. And you have to ask the question then, how big is our hour? <laughs> Does that make sense? How big is the family of God? You know, how big, how wide? And anyone who is following Jesus Christ, who has been born again, is a part of the family of God. They might not believe everything that we believe. They might not uh, have the same relationship that we have with Jesus Christ or belong to the same church or denomination, whatever. But if they are following after Jesus, if they are born again by the Spirit, by the Holy Spirit, they are a part of the kingdom of heaven. So again, Jesus declaring that God was his heavenly father, that he was declaring that he had a personal, intimate relationship with God, uh, and so much so that the Pharisees were jealous of that and were willing to put him to death because of it. So he goes on to say, if you had known me, verse 7, you would have known my father also, and from now on you know him and have seen him. Again, disciples confused. Uh, Philip said to him, another disciple, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient enough. Show us the Father, and we will believe. And Jesus comes back at him. Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? So again, they're, they're trying. They're, the, the Father is separate, right? In their minds, in their attitude that, again, Israel was there was one God, okay? There was one God in Israel, right? The creator of the heavens and the universe, the Lord God most high. So for them to go from that, that there's one God in heaven, to Jesus Christ being one with him, again, revolutionary, mind-changing, mind-boggling, right? They, they needed a whole paradigm shift in their minds to comprehend what is Jesus talking about? What is he talking about? And again, they didn't have the New Testament, right? So they only have the words of Jesus Christ and the Old Testament. So how can you say the God in heaven, you know, uh, wait, 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 you're in him and he's in you and what's going on here? Jesus said, I have been with you so long and yet you have not known me, Philip. He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? So Jesus is kind of maybe not really perplexed himself, but he's like questioning him. How can you say that? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? That the words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority or on my own behalf, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me, or else believe for the sake of the works themselves. So Jesus says, you know, believe my words. If you don't want to believe my words, look at the works. Look at the things that are happening. The blind are seeing, the lame are walking, the deaf are hearing, the dead are being raised to life again. How, I cannot, Jesus, you cannot do that in my own authority. It's because the Heavenly Father is working in me. I am in the Father, and the Father is me. And no wonder in the, in the New Testament it says that he was the fullness of God. He was the fullness of God being expressed to the world, representing, representing God to the world, right? In Jesus Christ. Then it goes on. Most assuredly, I say, he who believes in me. Now this is really 
um, should get us excited, motivated, because now he's including us, right? Before he's talking about him and the Heavenly Father, now he's bringing us into the picture. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these will he do, because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. So he's invited us in to this relationship with the Heavenly Father. The greater works. Now, this greater works, does that mean greater in quality, greater in power, or manifestation of the power of God? I believe yes. Both greater in uh, quantity in that uh, because there's more believers on the earth that are walking uh, with Jesus, there's greater opportunity for uh, spiritual gifts and spiritual power to flow through the body of Christ. If we are in Christ and Christ is in us, then there's more opportunity for Christ to manifest himself through us. And we'll see that later on in, in this chapter. But also greater works in that maybe greater in, um, I don't know how much greater you can get than raising people from the dead, but greater as far as he wants to do the same awesome works that Jesus did, Jesus wants to do through us. The same works that Christ did, great works, he wants to do through us. Again, revolutionary concept. And how do we do these works? Well, he says, he who believes and whatever you ask, I will do it. So simply, we don't have to work harder. We don't have to um, even um, stir up our faith, so to speak. And then, okay, you got to work myself up. Ooh, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. Not that sort of thing. It's believing, taking him at his word. That's what faith is. Taking him at his word. That's faith. Jesus said it. I believe it. Okay. Taking him at his word. Then asking for it. Praying it. Right? Asking. Believing. Asking. And he does the work. The Holy Spirit does the work. Believing. Asking. And allowing the Holy Spirit to work. Now, when it talks about in my name, whoever asks anything in my name, I will do it. So what does that mean, in his name? Well, it means uh, several things. Um, several things. One of the things is um, it, it means according to his will. So according to his plan, accor according to his purpose, according to his will, if we know what his will is and we believe it and we ask for it, he will do it. So it gives us some responsibility. And again, it keeps the relationship flowing to find out what is he saying? What is he doing? What is his plan? What is his purpose? Oh, that's what it is. We find out what it is either through revelation, reading the scriptures, another brother or sister speaks something into our lives. We say, oh, that's what I was waiting for. And then 
then we have to pray it into existence. There is some responsibility on our part to pray it. And even, let's back up a little, believing, right? Believing means that first we have to understand the message. How can I believe something if I don't even understand what it means? So we have to understand it. We have to take that and oftentimes meditate on it, think about it. What is God saying? What is he speaking? What does he mean? And then once we get the understanding, it is up to us to pray it to happen and allow the Holy Spirit to do the work. So believing, asking, and receiving by the grace of God, and it's always for the, I, I believe so, always for the advancement of the kingdom and for the glory of God. So it's, it's not, um, oftentimes when God shares the things that he wants us to pray for or pray about, oftentimes it's not about us, really. It's about what he wants and what he is doing, right? We are to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all the other things will be added unto us, or all the other things meaning life as we live it. Um, so seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness, he will reveal to us what he desires for us, what his plans are for us, what his purpose is for us, but then there's still up to us to ask it to happen, to ask it, to pray it, to pray it into existence, to agree with God, Agree what he is saying. I agree. I thank you, Lord. I agree with that. Thank you, Lord, that you're speaking that and then praying it into existence, even declaring it, as uh, Paul said a couple weeks ago, declaring it. Lord, you have said, you have revealed to me, this is what you want to do in my life and praying it into existence. So, and again, for the advancement of the kingdom to the glory of God. Right? We're not seeking our own glory. We're not seeking um, uh, just riches to have riches or uh, fame, glory, those sorts of things. We're seeking the kingdom, seeking first the kingdom. That means his plan, his purposes, his goals. He goes on to say, Jesus, if you love me, keep my commandments. And I pray the Father... I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper. Again, this word another um, doesn't mean, um, it means someone just like him. So Jesus is saying, pray, and I will give you a helper just like me, another helper. Okay, so it's not someone that's opposite of him or different from him, just like him. And of course, this is speaking of the Holy Spirit. That he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. Well, how did they know him? Because of the words and the works that Jesus spoke. The words and the works that Jesus spoke, he spoke by the Holy Spirit. And for he dwells with you, but he will be in you. And I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. Again, revolutionary statement. The Holy Spirit, you've seen him in action, you've heard him, you've seen him in action, you've seen the works, you've seen the results, the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. He dwells with you, he's been among you, and you've seen his works, you've seen the miracles, but now he's going to be in you. Again, this trans, uh, transformation, a different a paradigm shift of thinking that the Holy Spirit was going to dwell in them. 
He goes on to say, a little while longer, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me because I live. And because I live, you will live also. At that day, you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and that you are in me, and I in you. Okay, so Christ in us, the Bible says that's the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory, and that we are in Christ. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. So again, we're getting a little bit deeper into the relationship that has been made available to us, that Jesus Christ is in us and that we are in him and that he is in the Father, we are in the Father, the Holy Spirit is with us and the Holy Spirit is, uh, and is going to reveal himself, show himself. Jesus is going to show himself, manifest himself uh, in our lives. So what does that mean to manifest? You know, we, we say these words and oftentimes we don't think about, well, what does that really mean? Manifest. Well, it means to appear, right? To show up on the scene. Um, it means to come into view, to appear, come into view, to reveal, to exhibit, to make visible, to present oneself in the sight of another, to cause, I like this one, to cause, to shine. The Lord wants to shine forth through our lives. And he shines forth through our lives when we allow him to work in us and through us. He shines forth. He reveals himself. He shows himself. Even in the Old Testament, 2 Chronicles 16.9, it tells us that the eyes of the Lord are looking to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those who have a heart that is loyal to him. So the Lord is looking for someone that he can manifest himself through. He can show himself through. He can reveal himself to. The eyes of the Lord go to and fro throughout the whole earth, searching, looking to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. And he still wants to do that today in our lives, and he can and he will. Judas, verse 22, says, says to the Lord, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Why not show yourself to the world? And Jesus said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. Again, if we love Jesus, we will love his word. We will love his commandments. We will love to hear his voice. And we will, by loving it, I mean obeying it. And obeying, by obeying his word and obeying his commandments, we're obeying him, right? It's not just this law, 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 law. It's the voice of the Lord. It's the commandments of God. It's keeping them uh, because we love him. And my father will love him. Again, the motivation for keeping his commandments, the motivation for keeping in step with the Holy Spirit or following God or doing the things of God is love. It's love. If we lose sight of that, we've lost uh, sight of everything. It's his love for us and our love towards him. That is the motivation for following after Jesus. And it says, my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words. And the word which word which you hear is not mine, but the father's who sent me. 
So here, not only does the Lord want to show himself strong in our behalf, he wants to dwell with us. Me and the Heavenly Father will come and make our home with that person who loves me and keeps my commandments. What a promise. What a promise we have from the Lord. Again, this is getting deeper, isn't it? Not, not only are we just saved from hell. Wait a second. We're saved into the kingdom of heaven. Wait a second. We're saved to have a relationship with Jesus Christ and our Heavenly Father. So much so that he wants to live with us. It makes me think of uh, Enoch. The, uh, Enoch. It's said of Enoch that Enoch walked with God and God loved him, so God took him, and Enoch was no more. I, it's like Enoch loved God so much, and they spent so much time in fellowship with one another, the way it seems and appears what he's saying, that they were walking together one day, and God said, you know what, Enoch? We're closer to my home than we are to your house. <laughs> Let's go to my house. And Enoch was no more on this earth. He went to be with the Lord. And I'm sure he was not disappointed, Right. So we see this, that the Lord wants to make his home with us. That is his desire. That's God's desire for you and for me, that we would be so intimately uh, involved with him that and he would be so comfortable with us that he would spend time with us so much so that he would dwell with us, dwell with us, that he would make his home with us. He's going away, you know, we kind of get stuck on the idea, oh, you know, a mansion in the sky, in the by and by, and the Lord's made a place for me, you know. But (laughs) this is the here and now he wants to dwell with us. The here and now he wants to be so intimately involved in our lives that uh, he wants us to be able to share with him our thoughts, our hearts, our desires, our emotions, our hurt, our pain, whatever it may be, he wants us, he wants to be involved in our lives in such a uh, dramatic way. And so he goes on to say, turn the page here. These things I have spoken to you while being present with you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all the things that I said to you. So this Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth, is going to not only dwell with us, but to dwell inside of us. And every one of us who has been born again, we have the spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, living within us. Living within us, this Holy Spirit. We bear, uh, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Corinthians tells us that we are the temple of God, that he has placed his spirit within us. And we have this spirit in vessels of clay. Uh, Basically, we are made out of dirt, uh, minerals and water, (laughs) so to speak. Um, And but we bear in our bodies, if we're born again, the spirit of Christ, the spirit of Christ. And he goes, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you as the world gives, as not as the world gives, I do give you. Let your heart be, tro- be let your heart not be troubled, just like he started the verse in the beginning. Neither let it be afraid, for you have heard me say to you, I am going away and coming back to you. 
And if you love me, you would rejoice because I said I am going to the Father, for my Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it comes that when it does come to pass, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming, and he has nothing in me, but that the world may know that I love the Father as the Father gave me commandments, so I do. Arise, let us go from here. And the, he continues the conversation, uh, continues on from there. But I want all of us to just um, step back a moment uh, with this idea of communion and fellowship. Remember, uh, Paul brought it up a couple weeks ago about the idea of two fellows in a ship, right? And um, Or I think probably a better, I mean, it goes with the word fellowship, but two guys in a canoe might be better because... If you've ever, has anyone ever been in a canoe? <laughs> All right. Has everyone, anyone ever had difficulty steering a canoe? Has anyone ever flipped a canoe? <laughs> got wet? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, yeah, easy to do, uh, easy to get wet, easy to flip them, uh, difficult to steer. And so because the person in front has to steer as well as the person in back to keep it straight along the way. So we've been given this fellowship, this communion, this we are tied to Christ and Christ is tied to us. We have come into a real aspect and even refers to it in scripture, the idea of being married, married to Christ, that we are the bride of Christ and that marriage reflects his love for the church, Christ's love for the church. And so we have this uh, relationship that we've entered into with Jesus Christ and it is the the fellowship and the communion that we have in the spirit is the launching pad for life a supernatural life is with communion with the holy spirit a victorious christian life depends on our communion our fellowship with the holy spirit walking and keeping in step with the spirit the book of galatians encourages us to do to keep in step with the the spirit Second Corinthians, um, if you want to turn there, we're going to end with uh, this verse. I'm going to go on a little bit with it, but uh, first, uh, I'm sorry, Second Corinthians 13, 14. Paul says to the church there, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. So Paul's prayer for the Corinthians at this point was that uh, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ will be upon them, that the love of God will be upon them. We have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, communion of the Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost be with you all. Amen. This word communion is the word, uh, the Greek word koinonia, uh, in which we've talked to, uh, Paul's talked about in the past. It has different, you know, like meanings, but the meaning that Paul has brought out is partnership. So we have this partnership with the Holy Spirit. We have this partnership with God. We are in koinonia with God and koinonia with one another as well. We have a partnership with one another as the body of Christ. So as a whole body of Christ or, or as the uh, body of Border City Church, we are in union, communion with one another uh, in order to see the plans of God come to pass to be manifested in this place um koinonia or partnership is just like uh jesus um in luke 5 verse 7 
Jesus um, telling the disciples uh, to cast their net on a particular side of the boat, right? You remember that? And there was a miraculous catch of fish. And Peter begins to call his friends, uh, maybe even like his workers, to come and handle, help him handle this miraculous catch that was too big for him to pull up by himself, too big for him and the guys on the boat to pull up by themselves. They needed help. They needed partnership with other people to come and to uh, bring in this catch of fish. And, and they came and they filled in both ships, it says, so that they began to sink. That's how much fish they had caught. So this word partner means kind of refers to even like uh, just real legitimate partners like you would have a partner in business and, and hopefully that you and the partner in business are both working together to see the business grow uh, that your partner isn't uh, stealing money or whatever this partnership with the same goals the same objectives the same vision the same um, ideas going forth this partnership and we have been brought into this partnership with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We've been brought into partnership with them. So when Jesus' earthly ministry was in operation, he and the Holy Spirit were always working together. He and the Spirit were always working together, and he always did the things that the Father asked him to do. Or he said the words that the Father gave him to speak. Just, I just want to um, give you some scriptures that relate that Jesus was the Bible tells us conceived by the Holy Spirit every aspect of his life the Holy Spirit was involved in Jesus life he was empowered by the Holy Spirit in Matthew three sixteen. he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness he came out in the power of the Spirit after the wilderness where he was tempted by Satan uh, he cast demons by the power of the Holy Spirit the Bible tells us the Bible even tells us in Matthew 12, 28, that Jesus was resurrected from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit, um, Romans 8, 11, and that he is seated at the right hand of God in heavenly places through the power of the Spirit. And again, this same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. That same Spirit, the same Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, dwells in you that same spirit that raised christ from the dead dwells in you and he gives us power and strength and authority to do the will of god every time we see jesus in the in the gospels he is working hand in hand hand in hand that idea of communion and fellowship and partnership with the holy spirit and the heavenly father right he's working hand in hand with them that's how we can say like uh, the three in one father son and holy spirit one god three as aspects of of our heavenly father in fact jesus said of himself that he didn't do anything uh other unless the father was speaking he said of himself that he was totally dependent upon the spirit of god and if jesus needed the holy spirit the ongoing partnership the ongoing communion with um, the Holy Spirit and the Heavenly Father to do the will of the Father, so do we. So we have to have this communion. We have to have this fellowship um, uh, working in our lives. There's another aspect to this that is even, I think, kind of more neat, is the idea that uh, the word communion, koinonia, is the idea of taking responsibility for someone. 
taking responsibility for someone. So example of this is found in Philippians 4.14 when Paul wrote to the Philippians and commended them for their generous gift that they sent for his ministry. He told them that you have done well, that you, in some uh, older text, I think it's King James, communicate my affliction. What it really means is that you have shared in my affliction by them giving to him and giving uh, to him uh, means by which he could support himself. They were sharing in his ministry. They were sharing. They were koinonia. They were fellowshipping, partnering with him. And that's so much uh, the idea of giving. You know, Mickey had shared earlier. The idea of giving is that you are sharing in you are partnering with Border City Church to see um, the kingdom advanced in this place. You're partner, partnering with, with, uh, with Border City Church. Um, so Paul is talking about taking responsibility. What, what do I mean by that? So Paul was in prison at this time, right? There were others that were um, other churches that he had ministered and, and been involved with and had started that were not supporting him. Uh, but the Philippians uh, took it upon themselves to support him, uh, and uh, he thanks them for that, and he uh, also commends them for that, and that they were taking responsibility for his care. Um, they didn't forget about Paul, but they took responsibility to help him, and they took up an offering to support him and to koinonia their love for him, to share partner their love for him they took responsibility for him responsibility for his care so the idea is that the same word that's used in second corinthians 13 14 he writes about the communion of the holy spirit so the very same word that paul used that we'd all have the communion of the holy spirit is the idea of that the uh, we have partnership with the holy spirit but that the holy spirit is taking responsibility with us or for us, and the responsibility of the Holy Spirit be with you all. The responsibility of the Holy Spirit means that he, the Holy Spirit is partnering with us and giving to us the things that we need to live a godly life in this age. The Holy Spirit is the dispenser, uh, if you would, the administrator, maybe a better word, of um, the kingdom of God, the spiritual blessings, the promises, the callings, the gifts are given to us through the Holy Spirit. And he's given them to us and he will take responsibility for you. So what I mean by that, as we step out in faith, being led by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will take responsibility for us. If he's leading us and he's guiding us to um, quit our jobs and move to Burundi, Africa to, to minister there, if that's really the Holy Spirit speaking and leading and guiding and we've prayed it through, uh, he will take responsibility to make sure it happens, right? He is partnering with us and providing for us in order that the will of God will be done in our lives. What a wonderful promise we have that the Lord is willing to uh, stand up for us and to stand with us as we, uh, as we partner with him in advancing the kingdom of heaven. Now, we can ignore, <laughs> we can ignore that voice, the still small voice that says this is the way, walk ye in it. We can ignore it. We can uh, 
oppose it. We can uh, say, well, that's, I'm not sure that's really God. You know, we can rationalize things away. We can um, uh, be slow to obey. Um, well, you know, I have to think about this, which is good. You should be thinking about these things, and you should be praying about these things. But at times there comes a point in time where we have to say, yes, Lord. <laughs> yes, Lord. I, I understand what you're doing. I understand what you're saying. Uh, I believe it. I'm going to ask for it, and I'm going to receive it in the name of Jesus Christ. You know, oftentimes we make uh, excuses uh, for ourselves. Um, we all have our reasons why we can't obey. <laughs> uh, it's not convenient. It's not easy. Uh, whatever the case may be, I, I'll look foolish. Um, usually it's, you know, pride that we're putting our will above uh, the will of heaven, the will of God. Uh, but the Lord wants to lead us beyond that. Uh, that he gets us to a point and place in our lives where, okay, Lord, uh, this seems foolish, ridiculous, but I'm going to do it because I believe that's what you're saying. That's what you're speaking. That's where you're leading. And we need to, um, to enter into that. Sometimes just take a step out in faith and, um, and seeing, you know, is this really God? Uh, whether it's, it's something as simple as just sharing the gospel or speaking a word to a person or praying for a healing for someone, stepping out in faith and allowing him uh, to direct our path. I mean, that's, that's what stepping out in faith is, right? Allowing him to, to direct us. And I, I believe, you know, that was the life of, G, uh, the life of Jesus was just, you know, I'm here, Lord. Here I am. Uh, send me uh, and to do your will. And oftentimes we have to um, press into that. So what we're saying here is that Christ is in you. <laughs> you are in Christ. We have been not only saved and redeemed, but we are have been given a kingdom that we are to seek and that we are to advance and the only way to seek and advance the kingdom of God is by believing it asking for it and receiving it and we do that through communion and fellowship with the Holy Spirit now how do we how is this practically done how do you practically communicate with the Holy Spirit I mean, that, that's a good question. How do I hear from God? How do I know it is God? Um, and not just my own thoughts or own ideas. Um, definitely, you will have your own thoughts and your own ideas um, that you might have to struggle through. Uh, the one way we need to do this is giving God the preeminence, giving the Holy Spirit preeminence. So what do I mean by that is... Um, giving space, giving time to allow the Lord to speak into our lives. Uh, oftentimes, our prayer life is our grocery list of needs, <laughs> right? We go through our needs, not only our needs, but the needs of others, right? You know, there's people that need healing or need provision or what have you. We pray for other people, which is awesome, but uh, many times we don't stop and wait and give space and room for God to speak to us. This is supposed to be a, a conversation, right? A two-way street. 
where we speak unto the Lord and he speaks unto us. But we have to give him time to hear his voice. It seems to me that God is never in a hurry. <laughs> I don't know if it seems that way to you. I mean, uh, we're all about, at least I am, uh, fast, quick, immediate, now. We need results. You know, I, I go to McDonald's, and it takes more than five minutes. What is this? It's supposed to be fast food. You know, where's my food? Uh, we're waiting in line. Or even uh, if I see a line, it's like, oh, I'm not going there. <laughs> I don't have time for that. You know, and I, I think this this world uh, that we interact in, um, uh, and especially if we're interacting in the Internet. Now, maybe this has happened to you. Uh, it's happened to me where I notice that I am even uh, my time, my ADD <laughs> is uh, even shorter now. So like and I, I think we're being programmed that way because it's the opposite of the way God is. If you're going to commune with the Holy Spirit, if you're going to com- fellowship with the Holy Spirit, it takes time. Just like any, if I'm going to build a relationship with Peter, it's going to take time. I need to spend time with Peter. We need to do things together. We need to communicate back and forth. Now, like uh, J.D. and I have gone hunting a couple of times. You know, that takes time. It takes effort. We have to go to the place where you can hunt, right? And we spend time together and communing together, uh, fellowshipping with one another. It's just like if you're going to build a relationship, um, uh, picking on Peter because he's sitting right here in front of me, with a young lady. You find a young lady you think you like, you're not just going to say, hey, let's get married. (laughs) It's you want to build a relationship with that person. Jesus is just like any other person. It takes time. You need to communicate right with one another. You need to talk about things. You know, this is the direction that I'm going in. These are the things that are important and valuable to me. But you need to also listen to the other side. Right. So to build a relationship, this uh, koinonia that we're talking about takes time. And if your prayer life Uh, And I've done this, so I'm guilty. If your prayer life is only while you're in the car driving to work, you're just not going, you're not spending the time that you need. Not that the Lord won't intervene and talk to you, probably tell you, you need to spend more time with me. (laughs) Alone in the secret place of the Most High, right? Alone in your prayer closet, uh, from cut off from the distraction of the world, um, cut off from what's going on around you, spending that time. I mean, we, uh, as a, as a uh, society, we're into microwaving fast. Again, fast, quick, easy. God is into marinating. It takes time. It, and it's going to take time with him, that alone time together. Uh, and then when you spend that alone time together, the Bible says, Jesus said, go into your prayer closet, pour out, um, this is Bob's paraphrase, right? Pour out everything, your joys, your heartaches, everything. Just pour it out. He knows it all anyways, but we need to pour it out. We need to give it to him. We need to allow him to work in our lives and um, allow him to speak. 
And Jesus said that if we spend time with him, communing with him, fellowshipping with him in the secret place of our prayer closet, we will receive the answers to our prayers because we spent the time in the prayer closet. There's, there are no shor- shortcuts. When it comes to the kingdom of heaven, there are no shortcuts. It's time in his word. How do we get to know him? In his word. And his word tells us about him. How do we get to know his will? His word. We get to know his, his, his will by reading his word. We get to know his ways by reading his word. We get to know him by reading his word. But we also get to know him by spending time fellowshipping with him. And again, so um, one of the things to do, why do we sing? Why, why do we even bother to sing? Um, you know, why do we do that? Well, it, it's a way, well, first of all, the scripture tells us to bring the fruit of our lips you know, praising the Lord is our way of us bringing a sacrifice to God, the fruit of our lips. And, and the Old Testament tells us that we enter his gates through thanksgiving and his courts through praise. So we come before the Lord offering up our praise, our worship, our adoration. Um, the way has been opened to us through Jesus Christ and the blood of, the blood of Jesus. We've been given access, but still the, the access is there, but we have to follow through by accessing the way walking in the way and a part of that is through praise and worship we begin to pour out our love our adoration on him and uh, his presence begins to like settle on our lives or begins to settle in the service have you ever felt that before like you're you come in the service maybe you're you're tired and you're grumpy you don't even want to be here um, I, I was a pastor for 25 years, and there were many times I was tired and grumpy, and I didn't even want to be there because <laughs> uh, I was uh, the first one there and many times one of the last ones to leave and just get tired of <laughs> doing the same things. But if the Lord's there, then that changes everything. So we come in, we're tired, we're grumpy, we don't even want to be here, but then we begin to worship the Lord. We begin to focus on him. We begin to express our love and our adoration to him. And, and then he begins, his presence, his manifest presence begins to settle. And not necessarily talking about goosebumps on your shiver pimples uh, sort of thing, but you feel his presence. In the book of Revelation, Jesus, the spirit of the Lord, is walking in the midst of the churches in the beginning of Revelation, it talks about the different churches, Laodicea and so forth. And, and those churches had some messed up people, and so and they weren't all nice and order and clean, and everything's in order and done exactly right. You know, the Lord had rebuked uh, several of those churches to get back on track, or encouraged them might be a better word. And But he was still the Lord that walked in their midst. He was still the Lord that fellowships with them. And even in your life, in my life, when we mess up, we need to run to our prayer closet. When we sin, we need to run to the prayer closet. Not run away, run to. Run to, because that's where we're going to find cleansing. That's where we're going to find forgiveness. That's where we're going to find the Lord is in that prayer closet. You know, and that's what we need to do. Um, I was getting about uh, the Internet. And so so many of us, again, short-sighted, or we want things fast, quick, and easy, convenient. 
and it's not really the way that Lord is. And I think we're being programmed like on the Internet when I see something like an article, it's like, oh, my goodness, it's a whole page. I don't have time to read a whole page. I don't know. Does anyone else do that? <laughs> oh, my goodness. My friend, he wrote too much. Ah, I'll just skip through that. I don't have time for that. And then the next thing I know, it's been two hours. I've been skipping through stuff because I don't have time. <laughs> I had the time. I just didn't take the time. And again, so we, I think we're getting into these uh, nowadays in society. Everything's quicker, faster. Um, even with the, the Internet, we're like being programmed that we don't have, have time to just sit at the Lord's feet and listen to his word. It's becoming a lost art, even in church, taking the time to sit and listen to his word on a daily basis. Uh, sit and meditate on his word, to think about it. You know, when we read the scriptures, we just can't read through them. Oh, I know that story. Da, 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 da. But to really think about what you're reading and meditate on what is the Lord saying is becoming a lost art. Before service, we pick on these guys, they were talking about baseball and how boring baseball is because it just seems so long and boring and nothing happens, uh, or it might happen and you missed it. And I said, man, when I was a kid, like five, six years old, I would listen to the radio to the baseball game. <laughs> I must have led a real boring life. <laughs> to me, that was excitement and fun, just, whoa, listen to the, what's going on and imagining it and thinking about it. Um, Again, we're being programmed that everything is fast and visual and exciting and inviting and charming and all these things. Uh, the marketing is really getting to us while the Lord is uh, oftentimes is quiet, not so exciting, uh, but that's still small voice. It says this is the way walking in it. We get to the book of Elijah. Uh, well, not the book of Elijah. There's <laughs> no book of Elijah and Kings. The story of Elijah uh, at the end of his ministry, you know, he's burnt out. He's tired. He basically says, I want to die. Um, and But then he runs for Jezebel, who was, was going to do the deed for him. <laughs> he runs for his life. Jezebel, Jezebel would have helped him out in that cause. Uh, and then he's in the cave, right? And then there's, uh, what is there, a tornado, a fire, the breaking of rocks, earthquake, all this stuff happening. And the Lord was not in any of it. Remember? But then he heard a still small voice saying, Elijah, what are you doing here? Elijah, why are you here? What are you doing here? And he goes on to complain that he's done. And the Lord says, no, um, you got more to do. You have to pass the mantle to the next generation. And that's what Elijah did. And oftentimes, you know, Paul brought up about programs and all of the things that the church does, which are not necessarily bad things, but does to gather a crowd or to stimulate a crowd, to uh, keep a crowd, all these things that are done in churches um, can take the preeminence, become, can become more important than just spending time with Jesus. And that's uh, what I like so much, having been involved in church life for so long and having done all of those things, uh, all of the things, camping trips, whatever. Again, not bad things, but um, we have to be careful that we don't give that more importance 
than sitting at Jesus' feet and listening to his word. Because that's where real ministry comes from. That's where real life comes from. Real life comes from sitting at his feet and listening to his word, listening to his voice. Uh, anything other than that is probably man-made, manufactured, right? Uh, I like what the psalmist says. I'm not even sure what psalm this is. Um, King David said, One thing have I desired, and that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, that I may behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. One thing have I desired. This morning, why don't we all stand?